Now I'm joined by Jennifer who sits opposite me uh, today and Jennifer was in this very studio uh, in November when I took some time out uh, with uh, John Morley as well. Jennifer joins me. Uh, Jennifer, morning to you. Good morning, Keith. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining us. I'll put you in a little bit into yeah. the microphone there. Just to, just to recap on this, you've got a special condition and um, you're quite exhausted, I have to say, uh, this morning and uh, from talking to you, you can see that exhaustion in you because um, you're waiting for treatment in the pain clinic in... G-U-H. Yeah, so um, my condition, it's um, a neurological condition. It's a chronic pain condition called hemicrania continuae. And it basically means I have a constant headache um, with different levels of, of severity. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a battle for years and years to, I suppose, get the balance and, you know, um, had a very negative effect, I suppose, for a long time. And I did get that balance with, um, injections um, from the pain clinic and you know a balance of, of medications and um, thankfully got to a good quality of life and unfortunately since last year um, the, the inadequacies in, in the pain clinic have been you know blatant it's getting progressively worse um, and then to the extent of in November there was mass cancellations for that clinic due to um, so t- take me through. So it's a, it's it's a Botox really is, is Botox injections. Injections. Yeah. So yeah, and and it's not for beauty. This is for no, med- unfortunately med- med- medical. <laughs> you don't need it, but this is for medical treatment. So it is from there. But I mean, the situation is you've been a client of this clinic and you've been getting treatment for nearly a decade at this stage, but you need this treatment every three months. End of story. End of story. It's a lifelong condition. Um, after three months. Um, my my symptoms get progressively worse and now it's been August since I've actually been given that and I mean the <laughs> the sorry my head <laughs> no. it's just getting um, progressively more difficult to, to get through the day so you're six months down the road yeah without, seven nearly seven without treatment talk to you about life currently um, you're a young person uh, a lot of life you had to give up college because of this yes um, and when you say a permanent headache, is that what the symptoms are like? Then? Yeah, so I mean, hemicrania is, is, is just half skull and continue is continuous. So it's always on the left side of my head. Um, I got used to what I call the base pain. It's this dullness. It's almost like somebody's just kind of pressing on the side of my head. But what happens then is you get what's called ice pick headache. So aptly named, it, it's almost like somebody's hitting you with an ice pick in the side of the head. Um, When it's managed with the treatment, I still get those pains, but it's more manageable. It'll just knock me back for a few minutes and I'm fine. But without treatment, it causes blackouts, um, nausea, um, collapsing. Um, I've hit my head and at the moment, even sleep is interrupted. So I just feel, you know, I'm 34 and I feel like my body is is shattered. Mm. But to be honest, I mean, living with this is difficult yeah. because, I mean, thank God I don't get I don't get many headaches. But I got one a few weeks ago, and I I, I took two Panadol and went away. But it was gone within an hour. But I couldn't imagine living with the flipping thing. Yeah, and, and people say that, and I mean, paracetamol, and you know, I've been on some very strong medications. Well, not for you. You need this. Yes, and and. and <laughs> So effectively, without naming names or otherwise, there's a very competent person that has been working there for a long number of years. Uh, unfortunately, or unfortunately for a number of reasons, 
he had to take time out due to a family situation. Uh, he's, he's coming back. But nobody else could carry out the function. Absolutely nobody. I In mean, the country. You said you would go anywhere. I, I, I've said I would travel. I know what the, this treatment, you know, does for me. Um, at the moment, I'm struggling with work. I'm struggling to be a mom. I'm struggling to be a wife. So, I mean, these injections really are the what anchors me to, to live in my life. Well, it gives you a quality of life. How, you know, that's, but that's, but I mean, how can you, forgive the stupidity of the question, but how can you suspend a pain clinic uh, since August and can't do the cancellations in November and leave people with this pain? I, I, I really, I don't understand it, Keith. I obviously coming from a very, you know, biased and personal view, I find it cruel. I find it unethical and, I mean, just because, you know, ultimately it is a hidden disability and I, I just fear because, you know, some days with a bit of makeup and my hair done, I don't look like there's anything wrong and maybe that's the problem. I just feel that, you know, with other conditions, you wouldn't just see Jennifer, you're treatment. living with it. You're living. I can see it on your face. I can see it on your face today. Yeah, I'd love I'm to tired. see you. <laughs> you're tired. But, but why wouldn't you be tired? Why wouldn't you be tired? And come here to me. I mean, do does work understand? I'm so lucky. They really, really do. Um, you know, I've I'm doing three days a week now and some of that I've been allowed to work from home and even yesterday, you know, I, I went in for a while, you know, medication can get me through a certain part mm. of the day, but you know, thankfully I suppose, you know, I can get my work done and I went home early yesterday and just everything at the moment needs to be so thought out as in if I do something that's in any way strenuous, I need to kind of plan a, mm. a break in bed, <laughs> yeah. you know. And do you want to mention your employers or not? Um, no. No, that's okay. <laughs> Talk to me then about your, you, you said you're trying to be a mom and a husband as well. This has to bring all sorts of pressure as well. Absolutely. And there's times then that, you know, aside from my condition, just the mental strain of, thinking of the burden I'm putting on my husband and I know he absolutely accepts it and, you know, would would support me in any way. But again, That's you great. have... You need that though. I, absolutely. I would yeah. be lost without him. And, yeah. you know, I think what really gets me now is, you know, my little girl, she's two and a half, very active. But she doesn't understand why mommy can't get down and play with her or why I start crying all of a sudden. You know, she, she yeah. doesn't know. You know, and that again just plays to the burden of my mental... St- you know, stress. Yeah. She started crying now. I'm gone. Uh, just, no, you know, I won't. No, 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 I'm, jo- I'm joking, but it's just, it's, it's very disturbing to see a 34 year old crying in a radio studio this hour of the morning because of pain. Yeah. It really is. And I, I just think it's the, it's the fact that I can't walk away from this, you know, and what plays on my mind is I am 34 now, but I can't imagine this battle in a decade. You know, I can't imagine my body can continuously take this stress. Um, I'm, again, very lucky in that my GP is, he really has just taken my case since I was I was diagnosed at 18. And since then, he really has been a, a pillar of support. And yeah. like I was in to see him twice last week. Like that is, I hate wasting resources um no you're not wasting you know, i know what you're doing is you're fighting for yourself jennifer I'm trying. if you don't fight for yourself and your husband doesn't look out for you and your two and a half year old wants mom and you're saying that you can't do this it has to be sorted out i mean there has to be beaumont somewhere somewhere has to be in a position to do this ongoing like the man the man in question or the, the consultant in question 
um, had to take time out and that's fine. Absolutely that's understandable. well entitled to. A talented, lovely person, mm-hmm. a very talented person, very pleasant uh, to patients and very good at his job. But the fact that he's not available, somebody else has to be made available. Yeah. Yeah. And it's inevitable that, you know, he's going to need time off again. And now the, the burden on the system is going to be there's mass cancellations that now need to be catered for. Um, the clinic is going to be back up and running, you know, mid-February. Um, but I mean, the already <laughs> long waiting list are, are now longer. And again, there's still only one man. Yeah. And, you know, when I was in communication with UCHG, they, they did say that they were aware of the, these inadequacies for a long time. They had talked about training a senior clinical nurse and it was never acted upon and nobody could tell me why. But sure, we have, we have the most intelligent people in the whole wide world mm-hmm. in Galway, medically, right across. I mean, if you go, you know, with neurology and this gentleman is, is, a, is a top of his game there and you've got Mr. Hennessy and many others that are there but surely somebody somebody somewhere can be trained up in this field so that when this person needs time out that they can get time out and that Jennifer doesn't have to toddle into a radio studio <laughs> to get upset and tell her story that she has hum- you have human rights so you have and the human rights you have is that you need, you need this every 13 weeks end of story absolutely and I mean the, the only crutch I suppose they gave me was you know at the moment they're prescribing morphine which I mean that's not ideal to to get through a day. Um, it's but not you, ideal. You can only take so much morphine now. And this is my point, and it shouldn't be. I feel on me to try and kind of, uh, you know, manage that. And and does the morphine does the morphine in any way alleviate it slightly? It uh, yeah, no, it it, yeah, it absolutely does. But, but then it makes you sleepy and you're it tired. It makes me and sleepy then and just chronic nausea. So then that's balanced with anti-nausea medications. Um, you know, so at the moment it's... And, and yet the Botox injection that we're talking about doesn't cause any side effects. Life-changing. It's, it's probably, you know, the most minimally invasive method of treating my condition. And um, there are other tablets, but again, with those tablets come... Symptoms and stomach issues and, you know, so I just felt I spent maybe four years trying medications, you know, some for epilepsy, some for really went through it and then we found a combination that worked and then I felt got my quality of life and then it's just taken away and mm-hmm. I just feel nobody listens. I just, I feel like I've, I've told them, my doctor has, has written to them numerous times telling them that I Your really am. is listening to you. Yeah, Your oh, GP is brilliant. Oh, without him. Your husband, the consultant in question, when he's back at base, is excellent. Mm-hmm. You've got supportive family, I take it, and all that are home yeah, as well. It, it really is systemic issues. I mean, it's it seems to be that they're aware of flaws within the system, but yet nobody is trying to mm-hmm. remedy those flaws. I put calls out this morning, and it's uh, to uh, contacts within the um, Celta group, uh, and I'm just waiting for them to come back to me. You have an appointment, I've been told, the headphones, on the 19th. On the 19th. Um, and will you get an injection on the 19th? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I hope so. Um, now, I don't feel I've gained anything. That was the, you know, original rescheduled date. Um, and how quickly on the 19th will you f- notice the difference? This time round, it'll probably take up to two weeks to have significant okay. difference. Um, generally, because, you know, I would get them regularly. There would be, I suppose, a build-up, so it wouldn't take as long, but 
you know, I, I anticipate about two weeks. Which so morphine long-term is not good for you? No, and I really don't like taking it. Um, you know, I I just, yeah, there's just something. I, obviously, I take it at, at nighttime when, I'm, when I feel I need it, when I want to, to um, alleviate the pain, but even just thinking that I've taken morphine, it just seems extreme. Uh, it is extreme, but, I mean, it's needed in certain aspects. And you... I mean, you're too young for the pump. I mean, if you had a morphine pump, you're no. too, but you're too young for that. So you're taking it orally and then it's yeah. tearing your stomach apart and yeah. then you're taking anti-nausea tablets. So, I mean, you're you're, absolutely, you're on a carousel at this stage. I really am. And, and I just, I'm about to fall off it. Yeah, you're, you're about to fall off it. Um, will you keep in contact with us? Um, again, we have we have put calls into the Celta group. They're wonderful at getting back to us and they always come back to us, I have to say on that. Uh, but I've also spoken to other people there as well just to see the 19th what what date are we at today I'm sure we're still early in the month so we're yeah, here so it's so, uh, just under two weeks just under two weeks which I know sounds okay, like so what you need to do is is um, postpone postpone Valentine's Day until the 19th altogether <laughs> uh, so today we're looking at the 7th yeah so you're looking at 12 days from now 12 more sleeps and well <laughs> are no, uh, do you not oh, sleep I, I do intermittently you know again it goes with the pain but I just don't ever feel rested <laughs> mm-hmm. Listen Jennifer I, I, I'd love to see a, sol- a solution to it and uh, let's hope that the solution comes on the 19th And the thank you so, so not much Not at all no Jennifer <laughs> Advocating thanks for, We're advocating but no it's, it's, uh, I don't like to see on morphine to be honest No and I don't like being honest but and like um, it's, it's, to me it's, it's just it's, it's not working well, it's working, but it's not working. Mm-hmm. And like the long-term effect from a fellow that has a bad stomach for a long number of years, the long-term effect on your stomach is not good. Absolutely. Well, that's what I'd worry about. Come here, that's the father in me then, you see, because I have a 34-year-old <laughs> daughter as well, so they're 33, 34. And uh, that's the father in me, they're thinking of you as well. Listen, Jennifer, keep in contact. Thanks for joining Thank us so uh, today. And if anybody can help in this regard, would you be good enough, please, to 86 and do so straight away today. Are you in the same position at this? Have you been affected by what's going on in the pain clinic there? Um, just let us know, please. 0917700077 as well. Quick commercial break. We're back just after these and we go motoring with Jerry Murphy next. Now, very good morning to you. Welcome in to today's programme. We're with you right through until 12 midday. Get those comments into us today. Now we're going, to, we're going to go motoring and I want to know what this beautiful vehicle is that Jerry is driving next. The motoring slot in association with Column Quinn BMW Select. The ultimate finance at Column Quinn. Whatever BMW model you choose, BMW Select has tailored finance available that is just as impressive as your new car. Contact Column Quinn BMW on 091 753 888. And Jerry Murphy says up to me today. Morse, uh, good morning to How you. How are you, Keith? Now, I saw you coming in. I think I know what the uh, brand is, but uh, mm. following a successful rally weekend, and well done on all the coverage on that, by the way. Yeah, this, great weekend. This it was a great weekend. The coverage yeah, was excellent. Weekend, yeah. But this looks like a sporty piece of kit you have outside there. Well, it's not really. It's it's the Renault Clio. That's is it? Clio has been around for a long, long time. Long time, yeah. I remember Papa and what was her name? Papa and no Papa. Uh, anyway, in the ad for Clio, way way back. Um, anyway, listen. This is the latest version of it, the, the brand new version of it, um, a hybrid, one point six liter petrol engine, and uh, um, a battery set up to uh, 
run it on uh, EV electric mode um, for short journeys around town and stuff like that. Like, for example, coming in from Tume today, I came in via Merlin Park because the other way in was absolutely choked. Merlin Park got us to the first set of lights, went on reasonably, put it in electric mode, and we came all the way here to the station in electric mode, not using any petrol in the city. Wow, and do you charge it or does it charge no, itself? No, no, it's self-charging, um, self-charging hybrid where you're braking and your deceleration and how you drive the car recharges the battery element in it. Now, for Renault, I mean, there's there's um, six different versions of this. Um, and obviously, as they always do, they've given me the top uh, of the range uh, which is a price of 34045 But the range starts at 24845 And I'll have to say, it, it, it hasn't changed a huge amount from a Renault point of view over the years. There's a certain thing about French cars yeah. that there's a, an element of comfort uh, put in. Now, for a small car, this one has, I think, probably one of the better seats in it that I've come across in a small car. And a 1.6 engine, that's, 1. A, that's 1. a big engine. Yeah, it's a it's a really big engine, but all of these engines now have become very frugal. I mean, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're not using an awful lot of uh, petrol, etc. So, um, it's uh, lovely to drive. It feels a little bit compact on the interior. Now, the reason for that is the next car we're going to talk about. Do you mean about. compact or tight? Uh, it feels a little bit like you are... I was going to say claustrophobic, but not that. It's just that the seats and all of the elements inside it fill the space. Mm. Um, so it's snug. Um, Is it because you and I are a little bit rotund? No, I'll tell maybe? you what it, it triggered it for me. The next car I'm going to talk about, the Volkswagen ID3, which is their smallest electric car, had space. Within it? Yeah, it, it seemed to be a little bit... Uh, a less compact, as they say. But I wouldn't hold this against the Clio. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very easy to get in and out of. Loads of tech in the one that I've got, which uh, is the Esprit Alpine E-Tech Hybrid 145 Automatic. So that's the full description of it. But it starts with Evolutions and Technos. Those are the, uh, the, the, the names that uh, Renault have put on this. The Clio has always been popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was... Nicole and Papa. Listen, do, just, 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 <laughs> come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Just put on your, have you your headphones on there? I yeah? have. You have, yeah. This is the app, by the way. Magic. You may be looking for a car that's small and practical. But you still want a car that feels luxurious. Well, now you've found it. Because while the Clio is certainly small, it's perfectly formed. There you go, it goes on from there. Yeah. Do you know when that was? Uh, when oh, I'd say that's 30 years ago. 1980. 1980, it says here. So that's uh, 43 years yours. ago. 44 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Well, let me tell you how long the Clio Clio name has been around the place. Um, Anyway, go on. They claim that it's going to do 4.2 litres per 100 kilometres. It's not far off that. Mm -hmm. Um, 
when I picked it up, 4.6 litres per 100 kilometres. Price-wise? Which is damn good. Price-wise, the one that I have out there, as I said, 34,870, with a starting price of the basic model, 24,845. You won't get too many cars that size that kind of money anymore. I, li- I like the yellow wheels. I mean, ah, yeah, it looks, that, that particular version of it looks really, really well out there. It has a look of a golf about it, but I shouldn't really go there with it. No, I wouldn't go there either. Um, okay. <laughs> Let's go, speaking of Volkswagen, then to the ID3 then. and uh, So you've given us some of the stats on that. Yeah, the Volkswagen ID3 is a smallish ver- uh, electric version that they've got. Um, really competent car. Uh, very good on the range around town. A little bit Thirsty, when thirsty isn't the right word because it's using electricity. Not great on the motorway. Um, so they're, they're talking about sort of ranges up on 557 kilometres. Um, it won't do anything near that. It's more like uh, 400, more like 350 on the motorway, more like 450, we'll say, around mm-hmm. town. Um, biggest problem for this car is the price of it. This car has a starting price of 40607 and uh, with all of the extras, etc. that was in the car that I was test driving, 49259 <laughs> That's nearly 50000 for a car the size of the Clio out there. That, to me, is just a little bit too expensive. Now, Volkswagen are going through a procedure of dropping their prices um, so fa- about 15,000 more expensive than yeah. the top of the range clear. Yeah. So, and I'm a bit like, okay, it's all electric and the other good thing is that it charges very rapidly on a rapid charger. Um, you you go from 10% to 80% in about 20 minutes, uh, which is not so bad. Um, do I like it? I liked what it delivered as far as the car, the interior, uh, etc. Some of it a little bit fiddly. But, you know, that's a subjective thing and you'll get used to that if you're uh, owning it for a while. Um, but it's a Volkswagen all-electric. It's rather impressive and it's lovely. It's, it's very very nice to drive around town. It's, uh, it's uh, compact. It's slipping in and out of parking spaces and all that kind of stuff. Great visibility out of it as well. Um, question, would I buy a Clio or would I buy an ID3 for my lifestyle. Yeah. This is the real queer uh, question people Which have to ask buy? themselves. I'd buy the Clio. Hey. Um, but that's just a lifestyle thing, mm. you know, and that's what people have to ask themselves. They have to ask themselves about their own lifestyle. Yeah. Speaking of Volkswagen, last Friday week we were at a, a special celebration in Western Motors. Mm. Celebrating 60 years in business. My God. Which is a fair old... Um, uh, Achievement. A lot of time. 1964, uh, Jim and Anne um, McLaughlin opened Western Motors. Where? In Monegisha. Monegisha. Yeah. And uh, they moved out to um, moved out to Ballybrit sometime later. Uh, Jim passed away pretty early, leaving Anne to run the business, which mm. she did very successfully, and then passed it over. To Jim, and Jim has taken up the mantle since that. James, you mean? Or James, sorry. And James has picked up the mantle and ran with us. And and Simon, um, James's brother, was also involved. But he now runs 
their Drogheda outlet. Right. Um, and there's a multi-dealership in Drogheda. A great afternoon in Western Motors last Friday week. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, congratulations to them. They had another little celebration going on as well at the same time. Uh, they've been 40 years uh, the, the main dealer for Volkswagen in Ireland. You'll remember Madden's mm, that's used right. to have it. Lower Salt Hill. Western Motors. Well, they were in Chantilly, really, weren't they? I remember them in... Well, they had a place in, in, Salt, yeah, Hill, yeah. in Salt Hill as well. I think yeah. maybe they moved to Chantilly from there. But um, 40 years Western Motors have been dealing with Volkswagen. A lot of Volkswagen headquarters people there, people that uh, I would know over the years. Um, but it was a great day. And exactly. it, it looked absolutely well. And uh, at the same time, they were celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Volkswagen Golf. Well done to them. And he had a selection of pretty much every one of them over the years, eight generations of the Golf. Well done to him. Listen, thanks, Ger, for joining us uh, today on the programme. And again, the uh, Clio further details can be had. Where is the Renault dealer now? Renault dealer is um, Windsor. Windsor. Yeah. And the Windsor, the Windsor Mall. Windsor Mall. Right, Morse, thanks for joining us. The Motoring Slot, in association with Column Quinn BMW Select. The ultimate finance at Column Quinn. Whatever BMW model you choose, BMW Select has tailored finance available that is just as impressive as your new car. Contact Column Quinn BMW on 091 753 888. Now, the Irish Hairdressers Federation are calling on the government for immediate support also today. We're looking for a lot of support today, but the President, uh, Lisa Eccles, joins me uh, of, the Irish, of the Irish Hairdressers Federation, and she joins me on the line today. Lisa, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I spoke to one of your members, indeed, during the week, by the way, as well, and uh, last week or other off-air, and they were saying that the cost of hairdressing has gone through the roof because the cost of power and electricity and supplies and otherwise. Um, what are your members experiencing that you want the uh, government to help you with? So we've had a pretty challenging couple of years, obviously, since COVID. And it just seems like each with each year comes new challenges and new costs. So this year, we've obviously had an increase in the minimum wage. You will have seen the um, statutory sick pay has gone up to five days as well. Um, we also have an awful lot of salons that are struggling to pay back debt warehousing from when they would have had to warehouse VAT and PRSI payments back during COVID. Now, we, we obviously welcome the 0% interest that's now being applied to that because obviously we, we felt that that would have, you know, to even be charging interest on that, I think, in the first place was was really going to put a lot of pressure onto salon owners. But what we're asking the government now is to extend the terms of the repayment because at the moment it will only extend to five years. Mm -hmm. But realistically, this needs to be spread out over 10 years to give businesses a chance to be able to just cope with the rising costs as you say energy costs have gone up I mean even just in my own salon our energy bills used to be around 300 euro a month we're now looking at about a thousand euro a month and you know energy costs as we know have actually gone down and yet we're yet to see that be passed on to the consumers and you know the government have promised us that, us that they would tackle the energy companies they still haven't and I just think like the, the whole I suppose 
year ahead is looking very bleak for an awful lot of businesses. And what we're asking the government is to do things that are well within their power. So extending the debt warehousing with revenue makes sense because more businesses that can stay open and repay that debt is better for, for revenue and is better for the government. And then we have campaigned tirelessly for the 9% VAT. We have had that for more or less in place for the last 11 years and it's been of such a benefit to the industry and then last year we campaigned so hard throughout the year to have it extended and then in September last year they decided that they were putting it back up to the 13.5 which in turn meant that we had to put our prices up which in turn means that more and more people will look for a cheaper option which will unfortunately lead them into what we call the shadow economy and if somebody is working in the shadow economy they're not paying any tax they're not employing anybody and unfortunately that is so detrimental then to our industry uh, and, it's, and listen, it's not as if uh, they don't understand it, Lisa, because I mean, and, and I do believe that the Minister for Finance has uh, come out over the weekend, uh, and uh, I think it was Monday, Ben Connell Monday, he came out uh, and basically mm-hmm. said that he would look at indeed um, increasing the timeline for the repayment of that warehouse tax. And if he did, it would take some of the pressure off. But I do remember yeah. during COVID uh, that that's, that, what do you call that, the economy? What do you call the other economy? The shadow economy. So, you know, traditionally it's called the black shadow, market. We black call market. it the shadow economy uh, now, yeah. Uh, hairdressers can't call it the black market, not like that, because there could be various colours in it. Um, but the mm-hmm. the it, it thrived during uh, COVID and it yeah. continues to thrive now. And But there is no regulation on it because it is basically people using their own homes or going to people's homes and doing uh, the hairdresser's job. Oh, yeah, exactly. And now, don't get me wrong, there is genuine people who have set up, like, say, mini salons at home and are registered for tax. I have no issue with anyone like that because I think what we all want is a level playing field. But unfortunately, there's an awful lot of people who would be claiming benefits from the state and then are working away doing hair at home and not paying a penny in tax. And that's a real issue, like, for us because it's quite unique to our industry as well. And we have asked numerous times for meetings with the minister to to discuss these challenges that we face and to see what can we do to work together. Like we want to encourage people back into the industry. There's a huge shortage of stylists at the moment in hairdressing and it's because they've been lured away to do hair at home because they've seen how lucrative it was for them during COVID. Mm. So we need to try and encourage those people back into salons and I do think actually having, you know, some of the measures that have been brought in around like statutory sick pay, extra bank holidays, holidays, those are things that are incentives to bring people people back into the workplace and for me I welcome them because I think if you're working from home and you get sick you're suddenly not getting paid if you're working from home and you you don't you know you want to go on holidays you're not earning in that whole time whereas if you're in an employment in a job in a salon you're going to get your holiday pay you're going to get your sick pay and those things are really important for us to constantly promote but we definitely need revenue to make the system of reporting people who are operating without paying any tax a lot easier easier because that's it's really up to revenue to go after these people and make sure that you know that this is not allowed to thrive any longer all right listen thanks to you for joining us uh, today on the program i hope you get somewhere with it no more than we had retail ireland on uh, with this earlier on and they're looking for measures to be put in place as well and uh, so i i do hope uh, that uh, people will listen to you uh, lisa eccles uh, from the irish hairdressers federation but thank you for joining us uh, today on the program now, a couple of quick notices that I have to give you uh, today. The Newcastle Combined uh, Community Association 
Um, they're having the AGM of the Newcastle Combined Community Association taking place in the Cree Centre in Moyola Lane. Um, again, tonight, I do believe it is. No, that's wrong. No, that's one is wrong. That, that's that's an old one that came in there. Uh, Keith, kindly wish a 70th birthday to Jerry Quinn of Dunamara in Renmore and a member of the well-known College Road family. Jerry was the first baby born in Calvary Hospital, now the Bonsa Corps, 70 years ago today. Uh, congratulations to Jerry from all of the extended Quinn family from all over the world. 70th birthday, Jerry. You don't look a bit of it from there. Uh, Keith, I feel for that lady, Jennifer, who was on the programme. My brother has been suffering from those symptoms for over 20 years. Hopefully, it won't go on for too long, and it's tough on all. And uh, Keith, uh, this uh, caller said, why is that not coming up there now? But it's not coming up there. I, I don't know why it's not coming up. Please tell that lady uh, with pain to try Tom Griffin Hidden Mind programme and uh, bioenergy from there. And uh, Keith, listening to that poor woman is so upsetting. Can someone please help her, for God's sake? Let her have some kind of a normal life uh, from there. Somebody else has sent me in um, a video of uh, pickleball and how to learn all about it. Uh, so we can have a look at that. And uh, other calls coming in too. Fully in support, I have to say, of Jennifer this morning. Now, very good morning to you. Good morning to all in Ground & Co, by the way, in, in uh, Salt Hill, the one near the... Um, the uh, wonderful facility that we have there. Um, but uh, I met a colleague there for lunch yesterday. Absolutely gorgeous, in and out, and uh, food wonderful. But uh, the chap who owns it, lovely man. And uh, the staff in there, I must say, a lovely location there. Uh, it really and truly is at the aquarium. Just just beautiful, and uh, well done to them. Uh, couldn't get over the amount of people walking the prom at that hour of the day, I have to say, um, because I'd normally be in here. But uh, it was lovely just to see it yesterday, and lovely lunch, and lovely to catch up with the colleague in question. And uh, just kind of talk about olden times. We were only there about 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Then we went our separate ways and I came back here. Uh, but uh, yeah, well done to Ground & Co there and uh, what they do. Now they want to go to Trish Martin because SAGE is an advocacy group indeed, but it's urging professionals to get to know the guiding principles of assisted decision-making law. And I'm joined on the line by uh, Trish Martin, who joins me on the line. Trish, morning to you. Good morning, Keith. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining us uh, today. And your regional advocate for Sage Advocacy in Galway and Mayo. Who are we talking? Right. Who are we talking to today, Trish? Are we talking about people that need to be assisted uh, with uh, making I decisions? Think so. or, yeah. Yeah. I suppose, like um, any of us, could need this new legislation at any point in our lives. So it'll affect anybody who might have problem with decision making, who might have maybe intellectual disability, a dementia, or, you know, or even a temporary um, problem where they're, they're finding it difficult to make decisions. But the new law, I suppose, if I start off with explaining that the old law that we had was the whole, the old ward court system. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. under that system, yeah, so the, the, the courts archaic. then made a decision for a person. It was quite archaic, it was quite archaic, I have to say. It was, because once they decided at that time that you couldn't make a decision, all your decision-making rights were taken from you. So that law is gone. That's the good news. Yeah. And we now have the Assisted Decision-Making Capacity Act, which came in last April. It was fully enacted in April last year. So that means, that the, I suppose one of the first parts of that is that there's the presumption of capacity. And it's, everybody needs to know this. Like It's not just professionals, it's ourselves, it's families. So you can't just decide now because of the way a person looks or talks or, you know, for any reason, you have to presume at the start that they have the capacity to make the decisions that they need to make. 
And, and Trish, um, can I ask you, how, how do you test that then? How do you make sure that they do have? Because on the outside, they might be looking absolutely perfect for you. And on the inside, yeah. perhaps they may have struggles. Well, in, I work for Sage Advocacy, as you said. Um, we have a test that we use ourselves. It's very simple. A lot of it is about listening to the person. So in the old way, again, it would have been a test and it would have been a memory test and that kind of thing. So we have a system. It's up on our website called Alert. So the A is for ask the person what is the decision they want to make. The L is to listen to them. E so we would gather information and explain, explain the possible consequences, explain whatever information they needed to make a decision. Reality check is R and tell me, tell me the decision you want to make. I suppose possibly the most important part of that for us would be the reality check. So after you've given somebody all of the information and you're helping them to make this decision, you need to find out then how much of that maybe did they understand? Did they understand the risks? Because in order to make a decision, you have to be able to understand the consequences of the decision. And is, um, is, this is the functional test. Sorry? sorry, sorry, Trish, to cut across you, but I mean, is this is this legal? Then I mean, does this have to be done through a, a legal advisor, or how can how does it's law since last April? You said so it'll be nearly a year. It's in, in, in law since April. So, yeah. but how so how can it be implemented so that? There's checks and balances. If, if I'm making sense yeah. there now, if not, I'd be more straight. Yeah, and, so and I what, what I was explaining there really was the, the way that, the simple way that this test can be done. If there then turns out that there is a question over somebody's capacity that we have a decision support service, which was set up at the same time as this law. So there's different levels of decision making that they can, you know, that they can implement at that stage. So the, the highest one would mean that if a person really wasn't able to make a decision at a particular time, that they can go to court and get a court order, somebody will make those decisions yeah, for them. Yeah. But I suppose the, the spirit of the law really is the presumption of capacity and to allow people to make the decisions they're able to make and to minimise the restrictions on their rights. So um, it means that when somebody is deemed to maybe not be able to make a decision now, that it must be the least restrictive path that's taken. So court and would be a last resort. And it's always about finding out what the wishes of the person would have been. Mm. So I suppose the big change as well, one of the big changes about this is that it's about a particular decision. Um, uh, maybe some of some people still maybe would think that if somebody can't make financial decisions that they can go to court and get an order to manage everything from now on. And that's just not the way it works. It's a particular decision that needs to be made at a particular time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we actually have a very good video on our website, um, that's sageadvocacy.ie, and it's it's up on YouTube. Um, um, <laughs> the name of the video, Minding Your Marbles. Well, actually, the fact that I, I forgot the name of it there for a minute, do you know the way we might have said in the past, oh my gosh, I'm losing my marbles because yeah. I can't remember something. No, no, it's... it's so, it's it's real it's real it's a reality check I suppose for a lot of people. I suppose it's it's uh, my and I'm listening to you intently, Trish Martin. So yeah, uh, I I suppose like a lot of other things, it could be subjected to a, some form of abuse. Uh, so it's it's important that it's done to the letter of the law, effectively that people are protected as well, and that one person can't dominate another person's life moving forward. Well, that's the whole idea is that they can't do that anymore because that used to happen. There's a lot of checks and balances in there um, for a court order to be made, for example, 
um, the person needs the voice of the person needs to be represented in court so they can attend the court they can attend by video link and if they're not able to do those things the voice of the person can be captured by an independent advocate like sage advocacy mm. so um yeah. yeah, this old belief that the next of kin can make decisions for people. I, I just hope at this point that everybody knows that that's just not true. Well, um, and, it's, and it's not easy. I mean, ward of court was never easy or power of attorney was never easy either. I mean, you you, you went through hoops to get it, but in, in certain cases it was necessary. But now with with the simplification of the law, and maybe simplification yeah. is the wrong word, but um, uh, it's, it's easier, but you know, Trish. Keith, you, you can still do powers of attorney and enduring yeah, powers can. of attorney. Yeah. They they are still, but they're monitored now by the decision support service. So again, there's safeguards built into them. So somebody can make a complaint about an attorney if they're not upholding the wishes of the person. Because that's what the attorney is about. It's about mm. implementing the wishes of the person who gave them the powers. It's not about them deciding what they would like. So where can they get further detail? Where's the simple? I mean, do you have an office in Galway or is it all online? But for, Because some of the people we who are talking... Sorry, we don't actually have an office in Galway. Our, I'll give you our Dublin number, but I suppose we have a very simple explanation of all of this on our website, and that's the Minding but, Your Marbles video. It's a, just 10 minutes. Yeah, it's but a really lot the, informative. A lot of the people that would be affected by this may not be online. That's that's why I'm wondering, how can they make contact? Yeah, hopefully um, the services involved would... I mean, everybody has been educated about this now, and it is an evolving process. If anybody wanted to call our number, will I give it out there? Please do, yeah. Yeah. So it's a Dublin number, even though we are nationwide, but we will get the message. So the Dublin number is 01-536-7330. And um, our information is all on sageadvocacy.ie as well on the website. 01-536-7330. Trish, keep in contact with us. And uh, thanks for what you do indeed for more vulnerable people in our society as well and uh, well done to uh, Sage Advocacy Group and Trish Martin the Regional Advocate for Sage Advocacy in Galway and Mayo 1536 uh, sorry 01-536-7330 if you want to get further details uh, there. you can also call us here if you want on 09177 and Siobhan will have it and now, Chirillon Heights Residents Association are holding their annual AGM tonight at 7.30pm in the Menlo Park Hotel. All residents are welcome to attend and uh, get part of it. And uh, other calls coming in to us too. Keith, tell Jennifer to keep her chin up that everything will come right in the end. And uh, Keith, this uh, caller said, can I also add my 70th birthday wishes to Jerry Quinn of Dunamara and Renmore and wish him the very best of luck. And in in brackets, then you want to, where's the party? Oh, well, well, maybe in Martin's house in Newcastle tonight. You wouldn't know. Um, now, then let's head towards the Galway BFM News desk and yet to come to the programme. We are going to be looking at other issues and uh, looking at sport, by the way, and some fundraising events uh, to go that way. And also we're going into history today because John went out and about and he's going to give you the history of Ross Abbey. He spoke to John McHugh indeed recently and we'll have details on that. And also we will have uh, Marie O'Connor joining us with Whispers on the Main Street. A wonderful book, a paperback book that's on the... Uh, on the shelves currently and we'll give you details on that too so stay tuned for that and more to come.